public service announcement before I... Rich, if you don't hit on the first slide in that, it'll get my backgrounds in there. Now I'll go to that next one. Awesome. Thank you. And then... There we go. All right. Um, just a quick public service announcement. As I indicated, um, we're still trying to figure stuff out. And I just want to address those who are not in the room, those who are listening in the parking lot, which is just really weird to me. But if you're listening in the parking lot, or if you're taking a nap in the parking lot with the, with the radio on, um, we want... Oops, somebody's leaving. So apparently I didn't talk to him soon enough. Um, but anyway, for, for those of you uh, who are listening in the parking lot, if you let us know you're going to be here, if it would be helpful, we can send you images of the slides that we use, if that might help you feel like you're following along. Um, we can also send you the lyrics uh, when we send out the bulletin email. It just hadn't occurred to us to do that. So if you're planning to do that on a regular basis, if you just want to let us know, uh, we'll certainly work to accommodate you with regard to that. So we are starting on this series called Rediscover Christmas, and today is Finding Hope in Our Uncertainties. As we think about Advent 2020, um, we just have to say, what a year. I wonder how many of us, I suspect nearly all of us, would say that in our lifetime, we have never experienced a year filled with so much uncertainty that extended for such a long period of time. Again, time after time after time, we just don't know what we don't know. And we just, I I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say, I just didn't expect it to be like this. I didn't expect it to still be like this. I didn't expect to have to deal with this, that, or the other thing. Uh, For almost an entire year, as I've said repeatedly over the past several months, we've been dealing with a global pandemic a significant economic recession, mass unemployment, political division, cultural upheaval, racial reckoning, record wildfires complete with fire tornadoes. I'd never heard. I didn't know there was such a thing until this year. And then just to throw a little more water on the fire, uh, an abundance of powerful hurricane storms and floods. Now, let me say right now, we're done with that. I'm not looking to discourage you. But that has been our reality for quite some time now. If there's ever been a year where we need Christmas, this just might be it. If there's ever been a year we need to rediscover the hope of Christmas, this just might be the year. And I'll probably say it again before I'm done, but I just want to throw it out right at the beginning as I talk about hope, finding hope in our uncertainties. I can encourage you, but I cannot give you hope. You have to choose hope. I can't, I I want to do everything I can to come alongside you, put my arm next there around you, give you whatever I can, but ultimately it's up to each and every one of us, myself included, to choose hope. And I will concede sometimes that's been a bit of a challenge. But as Michelle has touched on, as I've touched on, we are entering into the season that the Christian church refers to as Advent, a season leading up to the celebration of Christ's birth. And it is at its very core a season of hope. Advent is all about hope. The word literally means coming or arrival. It is traditionally a time of expectation, 
of waiting, anticipation, and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It is a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Just as I have attempted to do over the previous two weeks with my Thanksgiving messages. Talking about giving thanks for what was, giving thanks for what is, and giving thanks for what be, will, what will be. And that is kind of what Advent is all about. In Advent 2020, we have an opportunity for us to set aside the busyness. <laughs> Sometimes it's literally imposed on us setting aside the busyness. But it's also an opportunity to push through the uncertainty. Choosing instead to lean into the reality of what it means that God sent his son into the world to be Emmanuel, God with us. Now again, if you just think about that, some of you just celebrated a Thanksgiving that was pretty much like every Thanksgiving you've ever known. Others of you celebrated Thanksgiving where you may not have been with as many people as you normally are. As we anticipate, not to be that guy, but as we anticipate the possibility, dare I say, the probability that things won't be much different by the time we get to Christmas, what if the opportunity is for us to celebrate not who else is with us, but that God is with us? And that is a celebration that we can anticipate and we can lean into regardless of what goes on around us. Today I'm going to focus on some lessons provided by a couple of characters from the Christmas story that don't get as much press or recognition as many of the other players. And I'm talking about Simeon and Anna. And to me they symbolize the capacity that we have for keeping hope alive. Just a quick review of the backstory. At the time of Christ's birth, the people of Israel were not in the midst of a global pandemic. But they did know a thing or two about difficult times. They had been living under years and years and years and years of political oppression. Generation after generation after generation of the Israelites had been crying out to God for help over and over and over and over again with no obvious response. Without a doubt, some of them were beginning to wonder, is he even really listening? Does he even care? These were a people in that oppression who had a deep, heartfelt longing for things to drastically improve. Can anybody say amen? They were desperate to be saved from their current suffering. Surely, after generations, for many people, the embers of hope were beginning to flicker and dwindle. But as we know, with the wonders of 2020 hindsight, God had a plan, which Luke describes in chapter 2, the first 20 verses. That's the familiar part of the Christmas story. And sometimes we are in such a focus to get there and then move on to a new year, we don't linger at what happened next. And, and that's where Anna 
and Simeon come in and where they can teach us a lesson or two about keeping hope alive. I'm going to read. It's a lengthy passage. I'm going to put the slides up there. In case you wonder, one of the reasons I read the slides is it's been pointed out to me a few times over the years that when I read from my Bible, sometimes I get going really fast. By doing the slides, it kind of forces me to slow down a bit. But if you notice, I still get tongue-tied because I read faster than what my eyes can... or I talk faster than my eyes can keep up, and I get caught up over the words. But we're going to go through Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. And again, if you want to make mental note or jot a note with regard to that or whatever, uh, that's up to you. But just follow along with me as we go through this passage. Now again... The birth of Christ, the angels, all that has already happened. The shepherds have come and gone, and just a couple days have passed. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, being Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So in their tradition, very, very soon after birth, the child was to be taken to be dedicated or consecrated or purified. Verse 22. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation, the restoration, the salvation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon had a promise from God that it's going to get better before you die. And he expected, he believed, he hoped based upon that promise of God. Continuing on, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. So he's been anticipating, hoping, dreaming, looking forward to this for some period of time. And one day the Holy Spirit says, hey, get there, all right? 28, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying... Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I'm ready to go. My hope has been realized when I picked up this baby boy today. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, now again, just imagine when you take your child to church to be dedicated, and you've got their fancy little dedication gown on, and you've got little pigtails taped to their head, or whatever you need to do to feel good about your child that day, and you expect everybody... I'm I'm not making fun of anybody's babies... um, But you expect everybody to say how precious your baby is. Oh, he's so precious. But you don't expect them to say, the promise of God has been realized in my presence. So, needless to say, they were a little taken aback because they heard something they didn't expect to hear. 
They'd already had some rumblings and wonderings because the whole birth thing was a little unique. But the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the rising, a falling and rising of many in Israel and is to be a sign that will be spoken against. Now, part of me, the pessimist in me, the half-empty part of me, I'm thinking, is that really a blessing? Uh, Your child is a sign that people are going to speak against. But he blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, this child is, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Bless you, Mary. Okay. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment. So Simeon has just said what he said, just blessed Mary in the fashion that he did. And now this woman who is incredibly devout, comes up and at that very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I added some commentary, but I hope you caught it. In spite of the despair of their people that surrounded them, the discouragement that they had lived with their entire lives as the Israelites, Simeon and Anna chose to be beacons of hope. In spite of having lived very long lives without seeing their dreams realized, they continued to hope. In spite of years, and I mean years and years of waiting, they didn't seem the least bit surprised when Jesus showed up at the temple that day. To the contrary, it's almost as if they were expecting it. Now, just think about that for a moment. They showed up expecting something that day. Most of the other players, if you remember in the Christmas story, took some divine or miraculous convincing, but not Simeon and Anna. Oh, sure, here he is. I've been expecting this. Not, oh my goodness, there are angels and there's all this stuff going on. It says, yeah, okay. I've been waiting. We're good now. Take me home, Jesus. Or God. It wasn't Jesus' job yet. They were ready. They were tuned in. They were waiting. They were watching. They were listening. They were expecting. Every day, they anticipated that the next baby boy to come through the temples might be the one. And then one day, God said, this is it. It's go time. What I want us to do is let their example remind us of a few things about hope and its power to help us in our unique 2020 circumstances. And the first is just a reminder. This is just all common sense stuff, folks. Hope sees beyond. Hope is the fuel of faith. It is the fuel of dreams. And it is the fuel of 
that helps us focus on possibilities. Hope is that subtle, persistent whisper suggesting maybe, just maybe. (coughs) This Advent season, will you join me in asking God to help us rediscover the hope of Christmas? No matter what we're facing collectively and individually, maybe, just maybe, God will break through any moment. Will you join me in believing that regardless of what we may be feeling or thinking, hope is alive because Christmas reminds us regardless of what's going on, of Emmanuel, God with us. Paul speaks to this in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verse 1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, okay. No condemnation. That's kind of a foundation that we can begin to hope, and Paul comes back to it. At the end, in verse 24 of chapter 8, he says, For in this we hope, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Is anybody here hoping that they make it to church today? No, you're already here. There's no need to hope for that. Anybody hoping we get to come back next week? I'm kind of hoping for that. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That patient. I struggle with that. The worse things get, the more impatient I become. Just speaking for me. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Hope that is grounded in God is at its best in uncertainty. We just, let's look at it backwards from what I normally do. The worse things get, the more hopeful I should be because God has promised there will be no condemnation for those who are in Him. And because I haven't seen the good yet, I know that it's coming. I just wanted it yesterday. But He says, it'll come when I say it's time. And then he says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Can I just throw this out here? And and again, please understand, two weeks ago I preached about giving thanks regardless of what was going on, and Monday just stunk. All right? Last week I preached about giving thanks under difficult circumstances, and Monday just bit it. I'm frightened today for what tomorrow will hold. All right, I'm just putting it out there. But the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Y'all can't give me hope, but I have the promise of Scripture that if I don't have any hope, I shouldn't be looking for you to give me hope. I should be looking to the Spirit of the one true, all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God 
to help me in my weakness. Just a thought. Anna and Simeon also teach us, remind us, help us, inspire by hope to realize God is with us here, now, and always. While we may be surrounded by uncertainty, God never is. And if he is with us, then we can find hope. He goes before us, he follows after us, he surrounds us, and he even dwells within us. That is true when we think we know what's going on, and it is equally true when we don't have a clue. And I hate to break it to you, but you don't have a clue. None of us do. We just think we do. Some of you went through that as you were parenting. As we parented our children, we just had the illusion that we were in control. But then at one point, usually around teenage years, we realized, we don't have a clue. We're not in charge. But God thrives in uncertainty, and he is always with us. There are a couple of familiar reminders from the Word that help us rediscover hope. And I will confess to you, there were literally weeks throughout this where I got up every day and I read these verses and verses like this because I needed the reminder. Some of you were there already. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. There were days that I wasn't sure that that was true. But because I believe God's word is true, I had to accept it as truth. I didn't feel it. But I started my days reminding myself that God had plans for me and not plans to make me suffer or dangle by a thread or any of that nature. He had plans to prosper me and not to harm me, plans to give me future hope and a future. Now that future may not look like what I expected it to, but that doesn't change who God is. <clears throat> and then Isaiah chapter 43 but now, this is what the Lord says. This isn't Pastor Steve talking to you, all right? This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who he, excuse me, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You've heard me say this before with regard to another passage of Isaiah. But there are times I just stick my name in there. Wherever it says Jacob, I say Steve. Wherever it says Israel, I say Steve. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That's God's word to you, friends. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Somehow I don't get that to be an idyllic pontoon boat ride. When I think about passing through the waters, I'm thinking we're talking the rapids and I'm in a really lame canoe. Kayak. And I got my helmet on because I know I'm going over here. 
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. That's Christmas. And when you pass through the rivers, I will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Friends, I, please understand that this does not come easy to me. But if I choose to wrap myself in that truth, how can I not find hope even in the midst of uncertainty? And then hope inspires us to carry on. Day after day after day after day after day, Simeon got up waiting for the Holy Spirit to say, today's the day. Year after year, Anna, day after day after day after day after day at the temple, probably a lot of time by herself, worshiping and praising God. Also, she wouldn't miss that one tiny fraction in time where God showed up and she saw the hope of Israel right in front of her. Hope inspired them to carry on day after day. In Romans chapter Paul, chapter 5, Paul describes what could be called a cycle of hope. <clears throat> Romans 5 verse 2, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Huh? What? Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. Anybody else rather just skip straight to the hope part? I, just saying. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And hope does not put us to shame. Some translations say, does not disappoint us. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Friends, yes, 2020 for many of us has just been difficult at best, if not flat out miserable. But I find myself wondering, has that produced in me perseverance that honors God? Has that developed a character that inclines me to be more hopeful? I wish I could say, oh yeah, every day, but I can't. But it doesn't mean we can't keep leaning into it. Hope inspires us to carry on. <clears throat> a few months ago, there was a great illustration of the power of hope to inspire us to carry on. Anybody remember Tom Moore? Anybody? Remember him now? Captain Sir Tom Moore. The story, and I'm going to do a terrible job of paraphrasing, but he's a 100-year-old World War II vet. You obviously see his medals. His son-in-law challenged him to get out his walker and walk 100 laps around his garden just because he probably had COVID cabin fever just like the rest of us. And he said, you know what? 
Why don't you get out there and walk? He says, you know what? I'll give a buck for every lap you walk. And then images like that went viral. You couldn't turn on the news without seeing him out there trudging away. At last count, over $40 million was raised for the British health system because he got out there and walked. But what I wanted you to hear, somebody was interviewing him, and he said this, the first step was the hardest. After that, I got into the swing of it and kept going. Now, if you watched him walk, saying he was in the swing of it might be an overstatement. (laughs) But he took that first step, and he kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going. And I, he's planning to tra- he's got his travel itinerary planned for when he can start traveling again what step do you need to take this Christmas to find hope in your uncertainties what step the first one's the hardest and then we get in the swing of things when we realize I'm going to choose hope. I don't understand. Things still stink, but I'm going to choose hope. Maybe you need to pray differently or pray more. Maybe you need to sing. Maybe you need to have worship music on that's not just Christmas carols. Or definitely not country music because that just pulls you down. But anyway... Maybe you need to read the word differently and begin to claim it. Like I said, those Isaiah passages, sometimes it's just like, (laughs) Dinah should know. If she comes in and I'm reading in Isaiah, she knows I've got problems, all right? (laughs) Maybe you need to reconnect with Emmanuel in a way that is real, personal, and once again, life-changing. Maybe we need to focus on what we have instead of what we don't have, what we can do instead of what we can't do. Maybe we need to focus on meeting the needs of someone else. I cannot give you hope, but I can certainly grease the slope to get you there by how I act and how I relate to you. Advent reminds us the beauty of what I just said is that God has already taken the first step. And he promises to respond in kind to every step we take as we strive to lean into hope, even in the midst of uncertainty. James put it this way. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. You take a step. Oh, you bet he's taken a step. You take another step, he's taken another step. And then some of you, many of you, have been to memorial services that I've conducted. And I'm going to guess 99.9% of the time, toward the end I come to this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I just challenge you? Pray that for yourself. And pray that for anyone you know who could stand to find hope in their uncertainties. Will you pray with me, please? Father, as is so often the case, this morning, I have a pretty good idea what some of these folks are dealing with. But I also know that I'm clueless about some of the other stuff they're dealing with. And so I pray that for them. May you, Father, the God of hope, fill those gathered here and those we represent with all joy and peace as they choose to trust in you so that they will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that goes before them, that follows after them, that surrounds them, and that dwells within them. We ask this in the power of Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Worship team.